Hello and welcome to the Chronic Hope Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping families that are affected by addiction. Today, we are on episode number 12, which is Surviving the Holiday Sober, a Guide for Families. And to talk to us about that today is Kevin Peterson. Kevin, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about why this subject is so important to you. Oh, absolutely. Good morning. Good to see you, Danny. My name is Kevin Peterson. I'm a a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm the author of Chronic Hope, Parenting the Addicted Child, and the soon-to-be-released Chronic Hope, Families in Addiction. Um, And I'm the uh, owner or the founder of the Chronic Hope Institute, and we offer therapy and family case management services around the country. Um, And this topic is near and dear to my heart because in 1991, I got sober, and I've been sober ever since. And rolling into the holidays, uh, which, by the way, I want to be clear for addicts and alcoholics, the holidays start at Thanksgiving. No, they start at Halloween (laughs) and they go all the way to St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. (laughs) So let's be clear. Those are the drinking holidays. And and so the first round of holidays sober is super uncomfortable and awkward and weird for the for the addict and the alcoholic and for the family. So I think today's episode is super critical for everybody to be able to talk about. Yeah, and we want to make sure that you have tools, you have the ability to breach a conversation, and that you set clear boundaries and guidelines for what it means. So if you're watching this, you could be a loved one of somebody at any stage of life that is affected by addiction, may have gone to treatment uh, within the last year or two, and holidays are that time where it can be a festive holiday and a lot of drinking, like Kevin said, may have started from October all the way to St. Patty Day, St. Patty's Day, and these are new shoes that people are putting on. And we want to equip you, the family member, on how to actually work through this and not create drama or strife or things that ultimately we know you don't want in your family. So, Kev, let's talk about one of these first things we have up that is specifically talking about the attic. Why don't you read this off and kind of go into depth about this? Absolutely. For the newly sober addict or alcoholic. There's a couple of basic things you you, you got to have in your pocket. One, you always got to have a plan, and and then and, and you know the plan is you don't go home, you don't go back, you get, wherever you're going for the holidays, or if you're staying home, doesn't matter. You got to think it through ahead of time, and so you got to know where the meetings are that you're going to go to. You got to have your sober community and your sober gang that you can connect with in case things get a little freaky deaky. And then you remember, and this is the important thing that was something that really I, I didn't even conceive of the first time out, was when you're going to holiday parties, even if it's your family's holiday party, and you start to get uncomfortable, you can always leave. And you know what? Nobody's going to know. They're not even going to know you left. I was so freaked out because I was like, oh, my God, if I leave the party, everyone's going to be upset. Everyone's going to be so freaked out and mad at me, et cetera, et cetera. And the first couple of times when I would leave, people didn't even know. They were like, and here's the really weird part. This is the weird part for addicts and alcoholics. Because I think everybody's like me. I think everybody's there to get completely smashed. Mm-hmm. When I said I'm going to go, a couple of my family members and a couple of my friends that are not alcoholics were like, oh, where are you going? I said, I think I'm going to go get some dinner or go home. And they're like, oh, well, let's go with you. We'd like to hang out with you. And I was like, what? <laughs> you mean... Not everybody's going to stay here and get trashed. So, you know, it's about for the for the newly sober addict. It's about having a plan. 
mm-hmm. and, oh. and, and communicating. And as a family member or a loved one, it's about making sure, would you say? I mean, so is Kev, do, do, do the, does the loved one, the mom or dad, you know, maybe they're getting to the point where they support their, 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 their past addict and they start, they start to trust them. Uh, is it okay? And how do they bring up that conversation without creating stress or a fight to say, do you have a plan and what is it? How do you, how would you recommend they bring up that conversation? You know, that's a great question. And, and cause I mean, I gotta tell you, I've been getting this all, you know, the last couple months It's like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And the first thing I always tell the families and I tell the addicts are the alcoholics is have a conversation ahead of time. Let's, let's, let's put all the cards on the table and let's remember that the newly sober addict and the new, newly sober alcoholic isn't made out of crystal and fine China. You know, you, you know, they're, you can say something. We can have a conversation about, hey, is it okay if we have alcohol in the house? Is it okay if we have a glass of wine or a beer, you know, watching the game or at dinner? You know, um, do you mind if we go to a party with the rest of the family where people are drinking? Is that okay? And, and a lot of times families are afraid to ask that question because they're like, well, I don't want to jeopardize their sobriety. And it's like, no, 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 no. We got to get out of that old family system where we don't talk about the elephant in the middle of the room. We, we got to get that thing and we got to push that thing right out the window and just be like, no, 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 we're doing things differently. We're going to put the cards on the table and we're going to say, hey, Kevin, you're coming home for the first set of holidays. Um, how, how, do, how would you feel if, if someone had a beer? Yeah. And, and I can say, doesn't bother me at all. No problem. Knock yourself out, you know, or I can say, God, you know, I'd really prefer if we didn't, that would make me feel a lot safer. Yeah. And, and, but, but it's the act of having that conversation ahead of time. I think that proactive stance for the family and for the addict is so critical because remember, we're trying to change our system. We're trying to do things differently. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. Yeah, very, that's very the well spoken. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and, I, and we do want you to know if you're joining us either live or in the replay, the reason we do this podcast actually in live form like this is because we want to create space for family members to ask questions. We want to play, create space for clinicians to, act, to ask questions. Uh, we already have uh, a great comment coming in from Suzanne Smith. Uh, this is incredibly informative and well-timed. We think so too, Suzanne, and thank you for letting Aww. us know. But if you're watching this live or you want your questions answered live, you can always join our live episodes in the future in live form and ask your questions, and we will we'll divert to help you in that moment. So let's go into our second part because you just touched on the family and the things that they should do. So talk about this. Absolutely. For the family of the newly sober addict, talk to the addict ahead of time and ask them about how they are feeling about coming home. Everybody gets nervous when they're coming home for the first time. Everybody gets nervous at the holidays for the first time. I mean, let's be honest, holidays are a weird time for everybody anyway. And ask them how they feel about having alcohol in the home, you know, and how do they feel about the family drinking in front of them? And, you know, the thing I always tell the fam, because sometimes, right, there's, there's gonna be somebody in the family that's like, I'm not quitting drinking just because Kevin went to treatment or just because Kevin's gotten sober. That's stupid. And, you know, I think that's an opportunity to have a great family discussion and say, so I find it interesting that for, you know, the two or three days that, that your, your addict is coming home from treatment or coming home for the first time for the holidays, that your stance is I'm not quitting. 
Mm-hmm. And, and we're not asking you to quit. We're just maybe asking you to be cognizant and respectful of the other person. As I always like to say, if that person was coming home from the hospital after having cancer treatment, would you be lighting cigarettes in the middle of the house? You know, or would you be like, oh my gosh, I got to be a little bit more aware of this. And, and we're not telling you to quit drinking. We're not telling you to sober up. We're just saying, hey, there's somebody here that has been open and vulnerable about the fact that they're fighting for their life. How about you show a little respect for that? Yeah, That's all. I love you that. And, and if you're just hopping in, joining us live or in the replay, you know, Kev, you are the author of, of two fantastic books. Um, one, yeah. Chronic Hope, Parenting the Addicted Child. And two, which is coming soon, Chronic Hope, Families and Addiction. Um, you know, this resource, this new book release is huge, but your first book sort of lays the foundation for people to kind of work through these problems. So since that's available right now, touch on, you know, how this first book could sort of help people through this process yeah. if they haven't already read this book. Sure, absolutely. You know, and it, I mean, it could be a situation where uh, they could be like my family, like where I wasn't sober yet. And they're like, oh God, here come the holidays and here comes drunk Kevin. You know, how do we minimize the damage drunk Kevin does to the family holiday system? You know. And, and the book, you know, Chronico Parenting the Addicted Child lays out a really simple and straightforward plan. And it's, you set boundaries and it's like, hey, look, you know, we're going to have Thanksgiving here and we're going to have Christmas here and you're welcome to come, but we want to be clear with you what the boundary is. And the boundary is there's no drinking and there's no drugs, you know, and, and the accountability is when you show up, we're going to ask you to take a drug test or we're going to breathalyze you because truly you are such a disaster that you ruin the holidays for everybody. And then, you know, the structure of that system is, you know, we love you, but if you're going to not respect our wishes, we're going to ask you to leave because we don't want you to destroy the holidays for everybody. We love you. It's not that we hate you. We're not trying to shame you or belittle you, but we're not going to let mm-hmm. your disease ruin our holidays. Yeah. And, and that's one way. And another way is to be if some if the person is sober and is trying to maintain their sobriety, Again, it's in, in the book, we talk about um, boundaries, accountability, and structure when we talk about behavior within the structure of the family. So, so you know, Kevin gets sober and comes home for the first time, and it's important for the family to lay out ahead of time, hey, here are the boundaries. And we want to be clear. We're so excited to have you come home, Kevin, but I want to be also clear. This isn't a hotel. You know, you don't get to come and go as you please. You don't have to leave a mess in the kitchen. There's no maid service. You know, so, you know, uh, we would expect you, we, we understand that you may want to go out and see your friends and that's cool, but we want you home by 11, 12 o'clock. And that's, that's, it's our house. It's our rules. And um, you're welcome to be here and eat our food and be part of the family, but we expect you to clean up after yourself and you may get a few chores thrown at you and we don't want any arguments. And, and we wanted to say that ahead of time. And, you know, the important one of the things I was I wanted to say also, Danny, for the for the addict to remember is because a lot of times the addict thinks, oh, my God, I can finally go home and be myself, go see my pals, go hang out. No big deal. I'm not going to go to any meetings. I'm not going to call my sponsor. I'm not going to stay engaged with my sober community. I'm going to take a break. And the thing we always say to that is, you know, the thing is, your disease doesn't take holidays off, you know. We like to say that my disease is sitting outside doing push-ups in the snow, you know, um, which is true in Colorado, but here in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, it's, I mean, it's a little chilly and windy, but you know, it's not that bad, but, but the disease doesn't take time off. So you don't get to take time off. 
That, that's I love that you said that earlier in sort of our pre-show talk, and that is something to keep in mind. And you know that's why you know in recovery, it's often the word that you know I'm sober today. Be sober today. Yeah. Uh, this isn't about that I never get to have fun on Christmas again. This is about just being sober today and getting through today and knowing that your disease isn't just again off in the distance. And you know I want to touch on something you said just a second ago because I know how strongly you feel about this, and we bring this up about every show, and I think. It's important that we do. But what you see in your professional career, because you've helped, gosh, thousands of families through this process. Talk about um, how boundaries is sort of that stepping block for people to actually get control of their life. And talk about how boundaries have actually been the moment in life, including in your own sobriety, when family members finally start to get through to the attic and make lasting changes. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean... When, when when the family can get together and just sort of communicate and be clear that, hey, you know, here's the deal. We love you. I mean, let me be clear. Let me, let me use my experience is that my family got together and my dad got, you know, either elected or the short straw, depending on how you want to look at it, that he had to sit me down and talk to me and tell me that, hey, look, you know, you're our only son and we love you. You're our oldest child, but we're done with this nonsense. And, and if that means not seeing you at Thanksgiving and not seeing you at Christmas, that's okay with us. You know, you're out. And, and so what they were really doing is saying is that we are going to preserve the family system. We are not going to let you destroy the family system and destroy the holidays again, by the way. That was 1990. And, and they held their ground. They hit, they hit me with that in August of 1990. I was coming home from a family reunion with my father in San Luis Obispo or Templeton, California. And, you know, it was a four hour drive. In the first five minutes, my dad said, you know, Kevin, you're my only son and I love you, but we're tired of the drugs and the alcohol and the lying, the cheating, the stealing. And we don't believe a word out of your mouth. And we took a vote and you're out, you know, and until this ends, you're not back in. And and so, you know, they held their ground and, and I think it was right before Thanksgiving and I started to realize that I wasn't going to be at the Thanksgiving table with my family. So I did what all tough guy alcoholics do. I called mom, you know, and I was like, mom, dad's being mean to me and he won't let me in the house and he won't let me be part of the family anymore. And by the way, I was 26 and, you know, and, and mom, they were waiting for that. That was part of the plan. You know, they had set the boundary. And then they had a plan. And the plan was, well, you know, Kevin, if I think if you were willing to start seeing a therapist with your father to talk about these things, I think we could loosen things up a little bit. Now, today, what they would have done is said, you need to go to treatment, you know? And, and, and so what I did then, I, I agreed to that as like therapist, <laughs> I've been snowballing those guys for years, you know? Um, Little did I know. <laughs> and, uh, and so I agreed to do that. And we started seeing a therapist. And so I got to be back part of the family. And that's what got me sober was going into that therapist's office with my dad for a couple of months. And then my parents being out of town and the therapist putting the whammy on me and saying, you know, you're an alcoholic and a drug addict, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and you know, you need help, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so let's get you help. And, and so that boundary that they set with me and held is what got me sober and it's what, but, but I want to be clear, that's great, but it also preserved the family system. You know, it made the family healthy as well and allowed us to have 
um, a healthy family holiday systems, you know, in 1990. And that was really critical. Yeah. And if you watch any past episodes that we've had guests on, I mean, it's important to bring this up because what we don't want, which we know what you don't want, is we don't want you loving your family member to death. Um, yeah. That sounds harsh when it comes out of our mouths, but if you know our hearts, you know we care about making sure that that doesn't happen because we know that your boundaries are weak because of fear. And Kevin, as an addict, and I don't need you to go into it, just nod your head, you would hurt your family about as bad as you needed to just to make sure you could continue on with the life that you thought you needed, right? Absolutely. No questions asked. And and here's here's the important thing to mention about that. It's not like I woke up every morning and said, ooh, I wonder how I can mess with my family today to make sure I continue to get high and get drunk. It's not, that's, it's not, it's not malicious like that. It's, this is my lifestyle. All I care about is maintaining my lifestyle and I don't care who gets in the way or what wreckage I leave behind me. You know, it's, that's how important the drugs and alcohol are. You know, it's not a conscious, everyone thinks it's like, why did, why does he do this? It's a conscious choice. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. It's not a conscious choice. You know, to the alcoholic and the addict, this is like breathing air and drinking water, you know? We've got a yeah. comment here from Suzanne I'd like to bring up on screen. She says, okay. can you talk about how a person in recovery can perpetuate old and potentially toxic behaviors and interactions, even if they are no longer actively using? That's a great question, Suzanne. Kev, take it oh, away. I'll, I'll leave it up for you for a second. Yeah, yeah, please do. And by the way, Suzanne's an old buddy of mine. She's a therapist in Denver. I love her to death. I think the world of her. Yeah, and, Align and so Counseling, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. And so what Suzanne is talking about is that, so, and this is one of the big things for me in a recovery that, and especially in therapy for recovery is so critical is quitting drugs and alcohol is this much of the recovery. Changing the way you live is this much. I don't know if you can see this, you know, stretching all the way. That's much. That's the hard part of recovery. It turns out that quitting drinking and quitting doing drugs is the easy part. But the hard part is changing the way I behave and the way I live and the way I treat people, which is why I continue at 30 years to go to meetings, have a sponsor, work the steps, sponsor people, and be part of a sober community. Because in that gang, in that community, in that, in that concept, uh, that cohort, I can go learn how to behave differently. You know, I'll, I want to tell you that my first Christmas sober was in Los Angeles with my family and I couldn't afford to fly home to San Francisco. So they flew down to be with me because that's how important it was to them. And I didn't have any money and I couldn't buy presents. And I used to make a lot of money when I was drinking and I was really freaked out that I wasn't going to have any money. And so I finally called my parents. I said, look, I, I, I just I got to be honest with you guys. I don't have any money. I mean, I can buy little itty bitty presents, but I can't do what I did before. And my mom and dad and sister all said the same thing. We don't care. The present is that you're sober and you're alive. That's all that matters to us. We don't care. We're just so happy that you're back on track. And I was like, oh, you mean you don't love me for all the presents? You actually love me for me, you know? And so... I know that's more than what Suzanne asked. <laughs> but that's a touching story. I mean, because that is what family members want. And you're right. Newly in sobriety, you may not have the same opportunity. Sobriety or, or alcoholism or addiction may have cost you your job. 
And ultimately, yeah. you may be dealing with inner shame around that. I love that you shared that. Is it was Kev's issues? It was Kev's yeah. thing saying, "I can't buy big presents, so no one will like me anymore." And I love that your family showed up for you. Uh, and this is what, again, we're asking you as family members to embrace as well. We love that they showed up to you and said, your presence means nothing to us. We want yeah. you. Yeah. Here. After as, all the hurt we, that you did, they said that to you. That's the power of recovery. So here, here's a funny way to look at it. We don't want your presence. We want your presence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Suzanne's question is critical because the important thing is that Quitting drinking and quitting doing drugs turns out to be the ticket to the show. The real part of the show is learning how to live sober and not re-engage. Re now, Suzanne, I'm going to throw this back also. The family is responsible for the same thing because it's not just the addict, right, that has to not go back to the old behavior. The yeah. family also has to change their behavior as well. First question every family I work with says is, or they ask is, how can I best support my addict in recovery? I say, you got to get into your recovery. That's the most important thing you do. Because if nothing changes at home, then nothing changes. Yeah. And, and so the, just, just like the addict's disease doesn't take holidays off, the family disease of codependency doesn't take time off either. Never does, never will. And that's just how it is. Um, yeah. So let's bring up one of the last things that you really wanted to talk about. And this this revolves kind of what she said, toxic behaviors, interactions. This is communication. Uh, talk about this. This is an So this is an excellent chance to practice new communication skills. Make sure that everyone talks about the elephant in the room and isn't keeping secrets. Don't be afraid to talk about what is going on and ask how to be supported. So I always tell people ahead of time, you know, let's talk ahead of time. Let's have a planning session. Let's Let's get mom and dad and sister and brother and Kevin on the phone and talk about, hey, we're coming home. And, and, and I don't mean it's all about how do we take care of Kevin, because that's part of what Suzanne was talking about, getting rid of that old process. You know what? We should probably have Suzanne on the show at some point. Just a side note. Yeah. Um, but it's about changing the family system. So we talk about, hey, let's talk about what the agenda is for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Let's and, and you know, let's not forget Valentine's Day and, and St. Patrick's Day. And let's talk about what the agenda is for all these things as a family, as a family unit. What are we going to do differently so we don't have last time's results as a family, not just the individual, but as a family. And, you know, uh, it's so important to to get that, you know, deflate that elephant and get that thing out of the room and, and just be like, look, we're not going to walk around here with a bunch of stigma and shame and, and crisis and drama. And we're not going to we're not going to walk around blinders and act like it's not there. We're going to talk about it. We're going to put that thing to rest and we're going to have a good holiday and we're going to have fun with each other. Um, and, and, you know, it's uh, self-care, 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 you know, the three most important things in a holiday, <laughs> you know, self-care, 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 you know, and chocolate, you know, <laughs> and gingerbread yeah. cookies. <laughs> and, and so if you're interested, you know, just to give you an idea of, of the work that Kev does, he's a family consultant for lots of treatment centers around the United States and will work one-on-one -on -one with families who are just struggling to get through the process of getting this done. You may be somebody joining us today who, who does have a family member coming home and, and is experiencing the gift of recovery, and you are as well. And for that, we just want to give you a great big clap on the work that you've done, but... 
You also may be joining us without that being your, your situation. Uh, you may be worried. You may be sick. This may be this holiday may be hard for you because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like Kev said, is is James, Peter, Paul, Mary, whoever your daughter or son is, whether they're you know eighteen or forty eight, are they going to show up and ruin another holiday? And in that case, if if you're not getting results and you can't seem to get things done, then we want to let you know that there is a resource out there. Um, it's called the Chronic Hope Institute. Uh, this was launched, Kevin. While I show off this website, talk about why you you launched this and talk about why it's called Chronic Hope. Oh, yeah, you bet. Um, well, why we launched it is because we wanted to make a platform available to everyone out there that there is and give them an opportunity. Anyone that's seeking help for, you know, how do I deal with addiction and the structure of my family? We wanted to give them a place to go to get answers and information. And, and, and you know, we also have a YouTube channel called the Chronic Hope Institute where all the videos are free. All the information is free. Um, next month, you're going to see a big launch with a new book and, and a Facebook group for families where all the information is going to be free. It's going to be a free portal for families to go to that are struggling with addiction and codependency. And how do I get help? Um, that's why we did it. That's where it comes from. And, and then, you know, my personal experience, my personal reasons for doing this is that this is the family that I came from. You know, I grew up in a house of addiction. My mom struggled with drug addiction prescription drug addiction, and, and you would never know it because on the outside, everything was beautiful and perfect, but on the inside, everything was kind of a disaster. Hey, look, there's the Facebook, there's the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, I became an addict and an alcoholic. Um, I got sober in May of 1991, and then I became a mental health professional. And so I think I offer a unique perspective, and the staff that works for me are handpicked because they know how to deal with these issues mm -hmm. on an individual level and on a family level. And, you know, our goal, our mission is to help families and individuals that are struggling with addiction and codependency and really address the family system. And, and, and we want to heal the whole family, not just the individual, because we think that gives you a greater chance of total success. Yeah, we know if we know that that addiction is not a single disease that affects the entire family unit. We know that there's no question about that. So get the help that you need. And and we're here as a resource, both with video content. We will continue to continue to talk about topics. We're in a series we took a break from, but we talk, we're talking about the top 10 questions that families have when they come and work with you. Uh, so yep. going back and watching prior episodes, we'll, we'll give you an insight on what are the top 10 questions that families ask in treatment when they're working with Kevin and his family case management team. So stay tuned with us. If you're on the Chronic Cope Facebook page, make sure you click that like button. And if you are on YouTube, subscribe so that you be not you'll be notified every time we update a new piece of content and bring in new professionals. Because I love how you talked about bringing Suzanne on. This isn't uh, the Kevin Peterson show. It's called the Chronic Cope Podcast because not only do we want to offer the support that you have, but we want to bring in clinicians, treatment centers, other resources to get a different look and a different approach um, on how this all works, right? Absolutely. Although I like the idea of the Kevin Peterson show. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> well, thanks again to Kevin. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being a resource for the community and talking about how someone can survive the holidays sober. So we appreciate your time, energy, and effort in standing for families and what they're dealing with for addiction. It's my pleasure. You know, happy holidays. Uh, you know, happy Hanukkah. Have Merry Christmas. Kwanzaa. 
you know, Festus, whatever works for you, you know, be safe, um, be sober, uh, and enjoy the, enjoy your time and, and God bless all of you. All right. Thanks, Kev. All right. See you, buddy.